And welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico, as I will be your host today. And I first and foremost want to go ahead and give a shout out to our uh, our actual platform here, Anchor, for actually hosting our show. want to go ahead and thank all our sponsors out there for helping us pay the bills. And then also, too, just want to thank all the fans once again for uh, chiming in on the topics from uh, week to week, show to show here. So without further ado, we have a couple topics that we're going to cover today and the first one is going to be James Harden versus uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> and uh, basically, also, too, we'll be talking about Jason Tatum and his hot shooting. And then lastly, we'll be talking a little bit here about the uh, XFL, the L.A. Wildcats here taking on the New York Guardians and my thoughts about that game. So without further ado here, let's hop into that first topic, which is, you know, basically the hot topic in basketball or one of the main hot topics in basketball is this James Harden versus Giannis uh this debate of who's the better player I mean at this point in time when I look at this I I look at James Harden he's averaging 35.2 points per game he's got six rebounds 6.4 and 7.3 assists you look at Giannis he's at 29.7 13.7 rebounds and 5.8 as far as the assists. And I look at this debate and I go, <clears throat> whenever we start to talk about an MVP race, okay, I tend to agree a lot with what the experts say and then also to a little bit as to what James Harden is saying too as well. It is a certain narrative that is that is that is put around the MVP candidate. You know, for instance, it's it it does not it does not surprise me that LeBron James is at the top of the MVP race, or he's within the discussion based off what the Lakers are doing this year. And I, I mean, you can make that argument. You certainly can make that argument, but you have to you have to take it with a grain of salt, and you have to say to yourself, okay, LeBron, yes, he is going to go down as one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But think about it like this: most MVP candidates, they're playing in a major market. Okay, most of the time there is a storyline behind their MVP season. Not only their great play, but there is a storyline. And with the Lakers this year, it obviously has to be the turnaround, right? It has to be the fact that, yes, you no longer have Josh Hart. You no longer have Lonzo Ball. You know, you basically shipped off a ton of picks and you brought in another all-star player or somebody that's in the top 10 discussion we could say Anthony Davis and you've basically turned into the player that we've always known you as as that person that leads a roster is tremendous at scoring the ball but is very very good at doing the intangible stuff which is assisting and rebounding and pretty much a triple double machine if he wants to and LeBron has done a great job in pretty much managing the Lakers I I will say that I mean they basically went from not making the playoffs to their first in the west so I mean arguably speaking I mean yes they're they're making highlight reels on teams and it looks good and LeBron is leading and LeBron is being LeBron I get it but you know you can't take anything away from Giannis Antetokounmpo because you look at what he's doing and yes, I mean, he's not playing in a major market with Milwaukee, but the bottom line is, man, the Bucks are on a tear, right? Like the Bucks, arguably, they might be the team coming out of the East hands down, maybe. 
I mean, with what Coach Busenheyer has done here, essentially he has made the Milwaukee Bucks into the Eastern Conference Golden State Warriors. I mean, it's just what that's what it is. You have a seven footer that is coming down, dunking on people at will, knocking stuff into the stands at will, and then he's developing a three point shot. It, it's just, yes, he's going to be an MVP candidate, but not to take any away from James Harden either. But we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll discuss that. So when we look at Giannis and we look at what he's doing, you know, and, and this is something too, I got a chance to look a little bit of what uh, Tough Juice Karan Butler was talking about. Giannis has grown into this type of player. Like, Giannis, yes, he doesn't play in a major market, but Giannis is like a storyline to himself. Like, here's a guy that is coming over from Greece that, you know, he came in, he was only 190 pounds, and he has worked his way to this level. Not saying that anybody else hasn't. But the way Giannis has had to take his path to this kind of stardom, it's been incredible. And you think about the fact of this, that, you know, Giannis, when you look at Giannis, Giannis is a kind of guy to me, and I agree with a lot of the experts, he plays so hard every game, okay? And not saying that James Harden doesn't, but we're going to talk again, we're going to compare and I'm going to give you my thoughts as to, you know, this, this whole beef or whatever this is, but Giannis plays hard every night, man. And it's not just on the offensive end folks. Like a lot of times people look at the MVP race and they go, Oh man, you know, this guy lit it up from the offensive standpoint. He looked good. He was on YouTube. He made all these highlights. That's great. But when you look at Giannis and you look at this guy over the 48 minutes, he is fearless, man. He has no problem going out there and guarding your best player, okay? He has no problem picking up a Harden. He has no problem picking up Kawhi or LeBron. He wants that challenge, okay? And I love the fact that he's humbled at that. You know, Giannis is is, is coming and he's... He's asserted himself, and he will tell you he's the best player in the world. And so will James Harden, okay? And here's the thing, quite frankly, if you're an NBA player, you're supposed to say that you're the best player in the world. Why not? I mean, you get paid so much darn money to who? Of course you should say that you're the best player in the world. Now, James Harden is a different type of breed of score, okay? Giannis has changed the game because we've never seen a seven footer be able to run up and down the court like that and just dominate like that. Okay. With James Harden, James Harden has probably changed the way that basketball is played from a perimeter standpoint, because nobody has ever seen such a deadly step back. Now you can call it a travel or you can call it whatever the hell you want to call it. I call it buckets, straight buckets. That's what he does. He scores buckets. He is a bona fide scorer. And I'm talking about like a score in the sense that he can give it to you any way you want it. He can score from the outside. He can take it to the cup. He can throw lobs, whatever you want him to do. And he, yes, yes, he has a handle on him. Yes, he does have a handle. He has a handle which can make you fall and put you on top 10 of Sports Center. Absolutely. Without a doubt. 
Now, here's the thing with James Harden and Giannis. Both of them are bona fide scorers, but they're bona fide scorers in two different ways. Both have changed the game in two different ways. Okay. But the bottom line is that neither of them have won a championship. Okay. Neither one of them has won an NBA championship. We're talking about an MVP. And, and, and last I, 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 you know, I looked here, it's like MVP is not the trophy that you take home at the end of the year. Like it, it's not the, the, the one that puts a ring on your finger. Okay. It's the NBA championship. It's the Larry O'Brien trophy. And so the bottom line is neither one of the guys has won a championship. Both of them are arguably right in saying that they're the best players in the world. Both can score the ball amazingly. Both are highlight reel type players. But I think that they could smash this notion of this 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 ridiculousness. I mean, it's kind of like Giannis, you know, I, I guess he took the jabs at, at James Harden by saying he doesn't assist the ball and all this stuff like that. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, look, uh, and you have to take this into factoring as well. Giannis and James Harden play on two different teams, man. Like Giannis's team is totally developed for just him kicking out and guys knocking down shots. And not only that, Giannis is playing with guys that are capable of getting their own shots and being being terrific players in their own right. Like for instance, I guarantee you that you can look, you can take the Bucks roster. Okay. If you take a look at the Bucks roster, I guarantee you, you can put some of those guys on some of these teams. Like I, I guarantee I can take like a Chris Middleton and I can put him on the Chicago Bulls or put him on the Wizards or something like that, or put an Eric Bledsoe on one of these teams. And it's going to change the course of that team. Like Giannis is playing with other kind of superstars or superstar-ish. Now, when you take a look at Houston, I'm not discrediting that that Houston, like, I'm not saying that James Harden is playing with guys that can't play basketball because that's that's a fallacy. That is a fallacy. If you're in the NBA, you can hoop, period. You can hoop. But the bottom line is when you look at the all-star caliber type of players that Russell, or excuse me, that, that James Harden is playing with, I mean, look at this roster. Okay, he's playing with guys like in the starting five. P.J. Tucker, terrific defender. I get it. Okay. Austin Rivers, he's been terrific off the bench. I get it. You look at Daniel House Jr. He was terrific as far as filling in. He's been a bona fide three-point shooter. Okay. Jeff Green, he's played on some championship teams or been in the championship, but he's been more of just a role player as well. Tyson Chandler. He's he's got some championship pedigree to him. I mean, he did win it with the 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 Dallas Mavericks back in the day. But when I look at this roster, aside from Russell Westbrook, like he's the only guy that I feel like I could put him on another team. And not not that I can put him on a, another team, that I know I can put him on another team. And he's totally gonna affect the win total on the team. Like, you know. Basically, what I'm trying to say is James Harden plays where he has to feed everybody every night because the vast majority of the sets and the vast majority of the offense and the way Mike D'Antoni sets it up 
it's supposed to be in either him or Russell Westbrook's hand. I mean, if you look at historically how Houston has played this small ball and how they've been good throughout all this time, look, you had Chris Paul over those last couple years. Now you have a guy like Russell Westbrook, who's more, who's probably more athletic at this point in his career. It's the same type of offense, but you're asking James Harden to be a certain type of player in order for this system to work. Like, how do we know that if we switch players that like, how do we know that there wouldn't be a difference in win totals or a difference in the way the players play? We don't, we don't know that. We don't know that. So to give James Harden credit, man, like when you talk about the fact that, oh, he dribbles a lot. Or he, you know, he doesn't pass the ball as much. Like, dude, he's still averaging 7.3 assists a night. And a lot of that is to the fact that, yes, he's right. He is getting double teamed like crazy. I get it. But Giannis does face some double teams too. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's not get it twisted. Like, people double team Giannis, but you also want to double team James Harden because you know that that's where the offense is going the vast majority of the night. Giannis has different options on the floor. So maybe it looks a little bit more prettier. I get it. Yes, it can get clustered up with James Harden and he's just the dribble machine, dribble this and dribble that. But that's the way he's changed the game, man. He's changed the game with the way he's able to handle the ball and the way he's able to get his shot off. I get it. I get the fact that, yes, James Harden is not a seven-footer. I understand that. He does have to be a little bit more craftier maybe to get his shot off. I get it. And it's effective. It's effective. So when you honestly ask me in this argument, who's the better player, like, I I don't (laughs) – honestly, look, if I'm going to go with one player or the other, right now just for me personally because I'm a defensive guy, I like Giannis. I like Giannis because I like the fact that – he affects shots. When you come into Giannis and he just simply puts his arm up, he is going to affect the way you shoot the basketball. Yes, he is seven feet, but when he stretches out, he's probably close to seven, two, seven, three. Okay, it's going to be tough to shoot over that kind of tree. <laughs> Not to take any away from James Harden, who's listed at six five. You know, maybe with the wingspan and everything. Okay, he's he's maybe six seven, six eight. Okay, I have a better chance of getting a jump shot off. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But I can't simply say just because of that, you know, that that's going to make this guy that much more special than the other. Because to be honest with you, they're both special. So why can't we just leave it at that and just let's just and let's just let's just as NBA fans enjoy the fact that for once we have two NBA players in which they're going at each other healthy why they say like a healthy rivalry in a league where basically everybody's buddy buddy everybody works out with everybody everybody knows everybody's move I kind of like it it actually adds a little suspense here and if Houston were somehow able to escape this treacherous western conference and face the Bucks, I think it would make for a hell of a series in the NBA finals so that's what my that's what my thoughts are with that topic so moving forward Let's dig into the um, XFL game here. And that was actually a beauty. It was the Los Angeles Wildcats uh, versus 
the New York Guardians here. So I got the pleasure of watching that football game. And I told you that I like the XFL. I like everything that it's doing. I like where it's going. It's a 10 game season. Unfortunately, the home team lost 17-14, which drops them to now one and three. Tough as the Guardians go to two and two. So my thoughts in this game were this, you know, I'm big on Josh Johnson. I like Josh Johnson a lot. I'm a Redskins fan. I got the pleasure of seeing him win his first start with the Redskins. And as a Redskins fan, I'm like, can we just get somebody, anybody, even if it's somebody here from in the local area, just can we get somebody behind center that can get us a win? And Josh Johnson answered it and then some. I thought he was poised just like he was throughout his NFL stints. Um, You know, I think that this is a team that is starting to come together. I mean, I think defensively, you look at the score. I mean, they did at least hold New York down to 17 points. But, you know, I think offensively, they missed on a couple of things. You know, I look at Coach um, Winston Moss and what he had here. There were some opportunities to take advantage of the New York Guardians, but they just fell short. You know, they missed on a field goal attempt here. Uh, late in the third because it got blocked and then early in the second they missed on a field goal attempt as well and if any of those happen to convert that's six points right there and they were favored to win by seven so that was six points right there I mean give it take it was a snowy day out there in New York it was windy so that did affect the ball Um, I did like what they were able to do with Trey McBride he continued on to his hot streak You know, he had the six receptions, 102 yards, uh, had his TD, and he he also had had eight targets. But, you know, I I look at that, and then I also look at, um, you know, just kind of going through the stats here quickly. I just look at what Luis Perez did for the New York Gardens, man. He, or Guardians, excuse me. He did a great job in keeping his team on the field. He was 18 to 26, 150, and for the one TD. He did a great job of managing the football game. And, you know, the, the, the New York Guardians did a great job of winning at the line of scrimmage. You know, Terrell Owens here defensively had a couple sacks, and he also had the block field goal. And that was kind of the, the story of the game. I mean, it just seemed like the New York Guardians had the momentum up front. And because of that, not only did they have the momentum up front, I think you know, defensively, but offensively they did too. And they were able to sustain drives. I'd love to take a look at the minutes per possession. And I guarantee you that the New York Guardians won that. And so, you know, when looking at this, you know, it's kind of like, where does LA go? Where does the home team go? You know, I think that the bottom line is, you know, when you look at the back half of the defense, they were missing two corners and that's two corners down. And I mean, they've actually played well. They played well on the secondary they played well without their two main corners. And I think if they can get maybe the, the two corners back there, they're starting to play a little bit better fundamentally. I like what Josh Johnson does because to me, I'm a, probably a little biased. I think he's the most poised quarterback in the XFL. And so I'm curious to see what they're going to do next week. I really am. I'm rooting for them. I'm hoping that they can just pull it together. Obviously, you're going to hear that mantra. It's going to be one game at a time, but I think they can do something really special. I really do. So that's my thoughts here on the Los Angeles Wildcats. Then that moves us to the final portion of the show, which is Jason Tatum. 
And I know currently right now they're playing the Houston Rockets. And we'll talk about that uh, probably on the next show. But, you know, with Jason Tatum and what he's been able to do, I had a chance to go out here and take a look at him, you know, in the summer league in his rookie year. And what you see, I mean, is just I didn't know he was going to be so darn good coming out of Duke. But the question for me is, and this is kind of like one of those things, it's kind of like, first of all, from an L.A. standpoint, how are you feeling knowing that you picked up Lonzo Ball and you could have had Jason Tatum? Shall we pause on that? But <laughs> here's the bottom line, though, if you're thinking about it like this, you could say, well, you know, for Lonzo Ball, we did get Anthony Davis, which is true. It's very true. You know, the bottom line is, you know, with Jason Tatum, I thought he was going to take a leap last year and a lot of people did think he was going to take the leap and they also were really anticipating or we were anticipating I shouldn't say you know they were because we all were as NBA fans we were thinking that you know the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum was going to take this huge leap but they ended up falling apart last year and it's kind of like the one thing that we've noticed is that Jason Tatum plays really good when he's the guy Like a lot of people have been trying to figure out, okay, who is going to be the guy for the Boston Celtics? Was it going to be Kimba Walker? You know, was it going to be, um, was it going to be Jalen Brown? You know, is it Marcus? Like, who is the guy? And like, we're finding out that it's really, it's Jason Tatum. The problem is that whenever Jason Tatum is in the lineup with kind of a point guard that is ball dominant, his production seems to go down. And so... That's the one thing that Brad Stevens is going to have to figure out moving forward here is they're going to have to try to figure out, okay, we have this awesome player that's that's ready to definitely be a breakout player in this league. And I'm not just talking about, yes, he made his first all-star team, but like the way he's playing right now, he's like saying, I'm a top 10 player in this league take note of it like that's the kind of effort that he's putting down right now and so if Brad Stevens and you know and Danny Ainge in the Boston Celtics organization they're seeing this they've got to figure out a way to get Jason Tatum going when they have everybody on the floor because it's like if he's scoring like this and you have Kimba Walker playing well and you have Gordon Hayward playing well Marcus Smart playing well, Jalen Brown playing well, Enos Kantner. Like, if you can get that, this this beast, this monster to come out of him and play alongside of just the all-stars and the type of caliber talent that the Boston Celtics have, like, it's over. Like, it's over. Like, it is going to be tough. And I can definitely see it being a situation where, yes, they would definitely give Milwaukee hell in a seven game series absolutely hands down but the problem is they haven't been able to get guys to play well around Tatum and Tatum hasn't been able to play well enough around those players and because you know when you look at what he's put in like this guy is I mean he's he's he was specially under Kobe Bryant uh, you know, tutelage over the summer, and it shows a lot of the jab steps, the footwork, the finesse. Like, dude, 
he is going to be a bona fide beast in this league. But it's just a matter of can Boston get like Kemba Walker and those other guys around him to play well and also kind of just I don't know if you just have to just say to Brad Stevens like just 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 toss him the keys just toss him the keys everything must go through him so I don't know you know I don't know if some guys have to take a step back to say hey this is our guy we're going to go behind him and tell Jason Tatum kind of like I don't know if I don't know if if guys have to do what Dwayne Wade did for LeBron James for them to start winning championships to go, look, I will take a step back. It's your time. We were going behind you. So I'm curious to see if that's what Boston can do moving forward here. Um, you know, just kind of looking at the standings and everything like that. Um, you know, you kind of take a look at where Boston is right now. They're sitting in a pretty spot here. You know, they're third. And they're just a game behind Toronto, who I, I just, <laughs> with the rafters, man, I got to take my hat off to them. I don't know how they do it. They just continue to throw bottoms or bottoms, bodies at you on a daily basis here. And, you know, give them credit, Nick Nurse. They haven't had any kind of championship layover. Like, they feel like, hey, we're out to prove that, yes, we don't have Kawhi Leonard, but we're still a good club. Like, we can still win this thing. So I like it. I like what they're doing. But Boston is, I had Miami possibly being the sneaky team here, but Boston is looking awfully scary. They're looking really, really scary down the stretch because to me, this is starting to look a lot like the team that took Cleveland to game seven, right? I believe it was in the Eastern Conference final. This is starting to look like that type of team, but I think that they're going to be, they're a lot better because they're more experienced than they were now. You know, keep in mind, Jalen Brown and these guys, they aren't rookies. So if they make this type of run down the stretch, I, I, I can definitely see Boston being in the NBA Finals, man. I, I can see it. I can see it. So with that being said, that concludes the show for today. I just want to go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to thank all our fans for chiming in here on a week-to-week basis. And I want to thank our sponsors here for helping us pay the bills. And so once again, this is Rico with Real Talk Sports. We'll be back.